Hello, listeners. Before diving into today's episode, I wanted to share a few ways you can go deeper with the ideas I talk about in this podcast and support my work. The first is my book, The Pathless Path, which many of you have probably already heard about, but if you haven't purchased it already, I really think you'll love it. The second is The Pathless Path Community, which I just opened up as a one-time pay-what-feels-right access fee. And in that group, you can meet hundreds of other people from around the world on unconventional paths like me. Finally, I'm working on a second book tentatively called Good Work, which is going to explore my deeper relationship with work and how that led to a lot of the transformations in my life. You can follow along in my newsletter, Pathless, which you can also find a link to that in the show notes if you want to learn more about that. Without further ado, let's dive into the show. Welcome to The Pathless Path. I'm Paul Millard, and in this podcast, we examine the invisible scripts that run our lives and dare to imagine new stories for work and life. Today, I am welcoming back Fizikon Virasami. Excited to Hello. chat with you again. Um, this is going to be a follow-up interview, our second interview. Our first conversation goes into your path. Um, a lot of the stuff around you quitting your job, becoming a freelancer, how you were thinking about that. Definitely check that out if you want to go deeper on Visa. He's got a bunch of other podcasts out there as well. Uh, welcome back to the now renamed Pathless Path podcast, Visa. All right. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me. Congrats on the book. I keep seeing people talking about it on Twitter. It's very nice. You too, man. I think um, <laughs> I... I went through like quickly. I, to be honest, like this year, I just haven't read many books uh-huh. and like books in uh-huh. like my world. Um, I don't uh-huh. know if you experience yeah. a similar thing. Like I, I, I like tried to avoid like all similar books in my genre and just like uh-huh. went in weird rabbit holes. How about you? Yeah. You know, I remember we once were both in the same Google Doc because we were both being interviewed <laughs> for the same thing. And, you know, I enjoyed how it felt like we were in the same kind of space, but on each of our own journeys. And I also feel like, you know, with some of my other friends it, that I'm, I'm, I've been familiar with for years, it's like I see all their tweets for such a long period of time that when I read their stuff, it's, it's nice, but it's, I feel like I already kind of know them and I don't necessarily need like that. Uh, introduction that like secondary I mean it's not secondary right but like I, I guess I try, I try to prioritize read, reading things that feel outside of that yeah, for sure right? like, I, I often find that uh, yeah you know there's a lot of there's a lot of spaces where people gather to find like-minded people which is good and nice but like I'm always focused on reading I'm not I wouldn't say focused but like just, I think I think we are similar in that front, right? Like you, you don't need to see more of the thing that you're already familiar with. Yeah. Um, so, I think you you introduced this great term, uh, long orbit friendships. Uh, uh-huh. I kind of sense where we're like long orbit friends. We haven't really had a conversation yeah. in three years. Uh-huh. We talked in the fall. You're right. Yeah. We talked in the fall of 2019. Now it's been four years. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's crazy, uh-huh. right? I think. This was like your first, like, I'm now going to do podcasts. Um, and I was like one of those first five. Um, yes. Yes. 
but yeah, it, it's so cool to see people like, I don't know how else to say it, but like in the game, right? And like, mm-hmm. you're on a similar path. And like, I think the cool thing you captured with this phrase is like, we don't really need to say a lot of stuff. It's like, yeah, I kind of know what Viz is going through. And like, if the principles you're putting out there, I feel like we're playing a similar game in terms of like kind of t- <laughs> taking what I call like the slow and stupid path of like not optimizing or maximizing in the short term. Um, <laughs> but yeah, tell me more about like long orbit friendships. Right. Uh, I don't know to what degree I'm like naturally or innately wired for that. Or that I see, I just seem to like it. I, I I feel like it's quite literary, if that makes sense. Like if if you read a lot of books as a kid, like there's there's something about that that style of correspondence. It's kind of memoir esque. Like you know, even just reading about how people used to write like long letters to each other, and it would take months to to arrive or weeks or whatever. And and there was something about that like consolidation of these long intervals of oh since we last spoke I now have children <laughs> and they are so big or whatever and I I I always liked that and I've always had a little bit of a distaste for oh I'm meeting my friends again next week and or like the, the same people I met yesterday and we nothing new has happened since and we're just hanging out like that as I used to hang out with a group of friends as teenagers like that where we would meet every single day and within months there's nothing left to say you just just there and it was it's all right but like i think we all um overdid it for us like or at least i felt like i was overdoing it to the point where it's almost like i was using that daily habit to avoid the work that i wanted to be doing or avoid you know like the expeditions out there to be going on yeah so maybe that's one way i'll frame it it's like there's definitely uh one of my phrases is that like you know, some some lifestyles are more like sitcoms and others are like more like adventures. And there's, neither is better or worse than the other, right? And I think people who think that one is better than the other like fall into a, a kind of trap. But uh, yeah, there's, I think long orbit friendships are very much like these adventurers meeting at taverns, you know, kind of like a yeah. fantasy mindset. I feel like uh, in the digital world, like creating is such a vulnerable act. Right. And if you're gonna mm-hmm. like dare to create stuff, you're you're basically like putting your vulnerability out there in public. So like you Correct. you get to see like the good and bad sides of people. And I think a cool yeah. thing for me is like you're kind of following people and also like rooting for them. And like yes. the longer you're on such a journey, you kinda know like where people are. I think that's been yeah. the cool thing for me. Like I'm five and a half years into like self employment now and I can see like nice this person's at year two. All right, I know, Mm. like, what they're probably Mm. going through. They're starting to level up. Yeah. And it's like, hell yes, hell yes. I love seeing that. Or, like, shedding cynicism is often a common Mm. stage that people have to go through. And I went through. And it's like, oh, I love rooting for that. And then, like, you can check in with people and just tell them you love what they're up to. Yeah, I, I, and I love having multiple friends who are at multiple stages along the path. Because yeah. you can see someone who's like, they got the brand new, just quit my job vibes. And then there's like, a, I think about like two years in, there's this bit of, oh no, what am I doing really? You know, like, is this going to go anywhere? Like, there's all these phases. And yeah, you, I, I do feel like a, a kinship and, a, and yeah, I root for them as well. 
and you know at some level you could say it's it's self-serving in oh, that sure. each each person who makes it on their own pathless path right they kind of light the way for everyone else who's also doing it and like you know the more people are doing it the less weird it is to explain what we're doing yeah but at the same time you know I think even if I weren't on the path myself like if I was still at my job I would be so grateful to see all the people who are trying right just just to know that there's possibility out there yeah so it's, it's very beautiful that's pretty rare um <laughs> like yeah many people in jobs are not comfortable with what we're up to <laughs> um that's true do you think that stance toward of like rooting toward people like for people can be learned like i i think about this a lot like i don't even know if it's like i sense it's like somewhat i need um, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think there's a whole like bell curve, right? Yeah. Like, and so probably most people are like kind of indifferent, but you don't really hear from them. Yeah. They're like, oh, cool, whatever. And then there are people at both extremes and at, like, so there are the people, so even, so even with people at like, let's say all the people who are working at, at Walmart, let's say, or like some large company where there's like 100,000 people, like, so probably like 80,000, uh, yeah, whatever. And then there'll be like 1,000 who they are supposed to be wild and free and they're not. And they want to be. And when they see someone else who's like that, they're like, ah, one day, someday my time will come. And then at the <laughs> other extreme, they're the people who are like threatened by it yeah. because they they don't want to think about it and they're uncomfortable or whatever. And yeah, you will, you'll tend to hear from the most vocal extremes on both ends, I think. And that can be a challenge like psychologically to you know just live with feedback like that you receive from... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get a term from you I put in my book, um, preemptive defensiveness. And yeah, <laughs> I I was like full on preemptive defensive my first year <laughs> after quitting my job. Um, and I think the reason is I had no idea what I was doing, right? So when you have right. no idea what you're doing and you're deeply insecure and people challenge you, you you're aggressively like, well, it's clearly obvious you should be doing this. And it's like, <laughs> Now I'm like, live and let live. Like, uh, I don't really care. Nice. Yeah, I, I think, so I was just witnessing another one of my friends, uh, just tweeting about his version of this yesterday, where he was like, and not even this big thing, but like a smaller version of the thing, which is like, um, he was just defensive on, on Twitter, on main. Like some, he said something, somebody else said something, and then he was defending himself. And then he was reflecting like, I don't know, the next day or a few hours later, He's reflecting that, oh, me being defensive about my thing, like, kind of isn't a very good case for my thing. Like, it makes me look bad or whatever. And and the thing is, I think everyone has to go through that phase. Yeah. Like, it, it's, it's like a threshold crossing where it's so natural and human to want to defend yourself and to want to explain yourself and to correct a misunderstanding and so on. But when you are on this path, uh, you... I don't know if I don't know if I'll say quickly learn, but like I, I think there's a multiple people all seem to realize this at different stages or whatever, where the best defense is just continuing to do what you love in a gentle and, and free way. And that gentleness does not come easy. Like you have to <laughs> right? Yeah. So it's it's tricky and not everyone makes it. And so, you know, part of what we can do for each other is like support each other in that gentleness sort of um yeah it's 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 such a trip like it, it 
the and I also think that it's in some ways it's like uh and you gain status when you learn to do it. It's interesting. It's like when you are still nervous and uncertain and defensive, that's like at whatever threshold you're at, like that's the human response and it it kind of constrains you. It's like it's kind of like a crabs in a bucket thing in a subtle way. It's like by people saying shit about you or your path or you know just expressing their own frustrations and then you respond to that directly in a in a in a non enlightened way you then get trapped in that frame you know yeah. like oh should i quit should i not and when you zoom out and you're like oh you know you should do what you think is right for yourself this is what i think is right for me you know enjoy yourself when when you kind of get out of that frame uh, you become more persuasive right you become uh, nicer to be around yeah. and people recognize that it takes it takes like grace and, and magnanimousness to to embody that and that makes people want to hang out with you it makes people want to listen to you but it it takes some courage and some reflection to and grace yeah to, to get to that point yeah I think which is you know I, I've mm-hmm. but I think a lot of it comes from just like not knowing what you're doing but like it literally never goes away <laughs> That's true. Like now yeah. when I know, all right, I don't, I was just talking with my wife about this. I'm like, I don't okay. really know how 2023 is going to go. I have no idea. Yeah, we don't. But no idea. Yeah. I've gone through the not knowing so many times that it's like, oh, you just put your head down, do the, the work you like and mm-hmm. just keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that just like, do that enough times and you're just humbled. <laughs> and you just right. stop, defend, stop defending it because mm-hmm. it's like, there's nothing to defend because you don't know what you're doing either. Correct. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, very, so very often, this, like, um, you can agree with the letter of a disagreement without agreeing with the spirit yeah. or the letter of, of a statement, right? So somebody will be like, like, yeah, so they'll be like, oh, no, we have no idea what's going to happen. And then we're like, yeah, we have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> you know, like, you're, <laughs> you're agreeing with the statement, but you don't agree with, implicit in that statement is, and therefore we should all freak out and we should all panic. And you'll be like, no, I don't, I don't think so. And and funny, you you might the the other and getting to that point is challenging, right? Because the instinct is to to buy into the frame that's being presented without without questioning it or without thinking about it. So even if you are disagreeing at the first level, so you're like, so somebody says, "Oh no, we should be freaking out," and then you're like, "No, we shouldn't be freaking out." Yeah, sorry, yeah, we and yeah. So it's like you're disagreeing, but you have bought into the frame of like stress so now we're both stressed even though we are on different sides of the agreement we're both stressed so you've agreed with the stress whereas you can agree with the utterance like oh yeah we should, we should be freaking out but you're like smiling and laughing as you're saying it so yeah. it's like a higher level disagreement and that is when you learn to do that I think you can be very playful and it's just a it's a whole new way of being yeah if- if you quit your job and do your own thing, you'll have plenty of practice because I think <laughs> Singapore is very similar to the U.S. Like mm-hmm. the U.S. does have its entrepreneurial corners and they're amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it does have a strong sure. conformist vibe. And I was always so surprised to hear that. You know, I, I guess I bought yeah. into the, the PR and like the <laughs> movies like Hollywood. It's like, oh, Americans are supposed to be like mavericks and, and you know, like do whatever they want. They don't care what other people think. And then I read up about like, I mean, I encountered like all those, uh, I mean, just scrolling online, right? You see what people are obsessed about what other people think. And like, oh, okay. Americans are humans too, I guess. Yeah. Eric, <laughs> yeah. Eric Fromm had some interesting writing about this. Have yeah. you read Escape um, from Freedom? 
Uh, I haven't read that one, but I did once. I did read uh, his book about love, and I, I when I was when, when I was working on my book, I was going through a whole bunch of his quotes. So I think I read a bunch of it, but not the book itself. Yeah, his argument was basically that like, okay, you give people freedom, but that is so overwhelming yeah, yeah. that right. people then need to like either follow a leader. This was his argument. Like in Germany, people were following uh, Nazism. Um, in Italy, mm-hmm. people were following um, fascists. And in the U.S., mm-hmm. he's like, they're doing the same thing. They're just creating, like, they're conforming. They're, like, obsessed with, like, what other people are doing. Um, right. And the only path out of it is basically to, like, really reflect and define your own, like, positive vision, like, for something instead yeah. of um, just escaping responsibility. Yeah. Yeah, so my Twitter bio and like one of my recurring talking points, I retweet the same thing over and over again, is focus your time and energy on what you want to see more of, or more simply just focus on what you want, right? And it's so simple, but it's quite radical because people aren't comfortable doing it. Because implicit in that is you have to take responsibility for what you want. And it's much easier to... So you know, in the current news of the past couple of days is that uh, like Lex Friedman tweeted like a list of books he wants to read and then people are mad about it or they are like they, they just, they just it, it feels like people are just inventing reasons yeah, to, yeah. to have a discourse about it and I'm like you, you don't need to care <laughs> you can just do what you want and you know if you, if you want to read you can you know, encourage people to read you can just talk about your favorite books right but like that's that takes sticking your neck out like you said earlier that uh, you know being a creative online is an act of vulnerability and it's always just so much easier to Say, oh, what that guy's doing is not quite right. Sure. Like, wh- but what are you doing? You know, it's like, uh, and and even that, so there's like a Nietzsche quote from like, you know, Nietzsche was like in the 1800s, but he was like, I wish to be a yes sayer. You know, I want to say yes to what I, I love and what I think is great. And I don't even want to say no to the things that I don't want. You know, because even then, you're yes. like, again, you're in that frame of, oh, everyone shouldn't be talking about X. Well, you just brought up X again. You know, so like, you got to be saying, I want to do Y. Y is what I care about. Everyone check out Y. And, and it's, it's, a, it's a more fulfilling, profitable, happy, it's better in every way except you have to follow your own heart or your own, you know, whatever, whatever you think is right. And that's scary to people. Yeah, and like getting to there might take years. And I, I think that's a thing yeah. people struggle with. That the internet is the greatest place in the world to be against things. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But being against true. things is an end, right? Uh-huh. It's like, it's clearly defined. All you need to do to join the against movement is just be against X. That's it. Uh-huh. It's the easiest club to join in the world. But, like, being right. for something might literally take um, years. Yeah. And, but, and yet, you know, so there's, like, there's pros and cons to it, right? So while being against something is, like, immediate relevance, immediate, you get to participate immediately and other people seem to agree or disagree, um, you don't really get, like, alignment of values, right? Like, so common enemies, you you have, like, um, you're pointing in the same direction, but you don't really know anything about the, the guy next to you, right? Yeah. And you can't really build lasting kinship on that front, right? So, like, you can have two people who both hate something, and they and they might be in the same vicinity repeatedly after year, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I know that guy. He hates the same thing I do." But like, you know, they, they can't show up for each other on a more personal level than that because they don't know what each other is for. 
yeah. and they can try and and you know uh, make some assumptions, but th- they will find out that some of those assumptions are wrong. And if they are both disagreeable people, they're going to find that whatever they have not in common is going to be a source of conflict for them. And like they have trained themselves to fight, <laughs> so yeah. they're going to fight over that. And that that's the curse of I would say being like a belligerent, disagreeable person. Like you might get a lot of engagement in the in the beginning, but you're literally cultivating an audience of people <laughs> who want to fight, and they will eventually target you because that's just how they relate. Yeah, so it's a curse, and a lot of a lot of uh, you know like celebrity influencer, um, like pundit types. Yeah, like they they all kind of fall to that curse. Like it's like you you're kind of summoning the outrage as as a like a magic spell, and you're like I'm gonna harness this and and profit from it. And then eventually you find that, oh no, they turn on you or like a radical subset of them feel that you're not going crazy enough and then they turn on you. Like just, it's, it's actually quite predictable and it's quite sad to see people get like seduced by it. But I guess people are lonely. Yeah. Martin Gurr is great. Like this is like the thesis of his book, which is that the internet... How do I s- in- spell? Martin Gurry, G-U-R-R-I. Um, it's called The Revolt G-R-R-I. of the Public. And like his, uh-huh. his argument was that like the internet enables people to basically find each other really quickly and form mm. these anti-movements, but they dissolve just true. as quick as they form because they don't stand for anything. Yeah. Basically what you yeah. arrived at as well. That is true. Yeah, completely agreed. Posting trajectory. Um, mm-hmm. I saw some tweets about yes. this. Like, love to hear yes. your thoughts on this. It's, it's also something pretty interesting, right? Because... <laughs> people can like disappear from your life at any yeah. moment. I, I thought of right. Paul Jarvis when you were tweeting this. Mm. I remember that. Yeah. yeah, he he just doesn't engage in the internet anymore. Yeah. He's, he's like, I'm done. He's like, yeah. cashed out. Right. Um, right. What, how do you think about like posting trajectories and how you like form friendships online? Right. So this is a very interesting thing to, Talk about. I'm glad that you're asking me about it because I haven't yet, like, uh, I haven't fleshed out everything that I have to say about this yet, man. And it's nice to have a like a context to think about it. Uh, well, for me, I guess like background context again, like I mentioned earlier about like literary friendships and stuff. So I've always had this very grand, long game, like civilizational kind of perspective, which can be a bit uh, tricky sometimes because some people will interpret it as pretentious. <laughs> but, but I genuinely, I'm, I'm just like that. You know, I've always been fascinated by like these hundred year, you know, like life's work kind of people. Like uh, the painter Hokusai, the guy who painted the Great Wave of Kanagawa. He was like, I'm 50 years old. I've been painting all my life and I've, I've not painted a single thing of note yet. And, but like when I'm 70, I'll do XYZ. When I'm 80, it'll be better. When I'm 90, I was like, oh, you know, like I, I like that kind of really long romantic investment in in the craft, in a public, you know, just, so I find that very beautiful and I've always wanted my life to be like that. And I have discovered that that's not very common at all. No. And that a lot of people just don't think that far ahead and they kind of, um, they respond to, and I'm not, I'm not saying like everyone is like this or like our friends are like this or whatever, but like, so the thing about posting trajectories is that there are patterns in the way that people behave over extended periods of time. And a common pattern that I see is that 
someone kind of shows up in a scene, right? Like whether it's Twitter and you can look at like history to find other examples, but like, and you know, like even just media stars, like sometimes a singer shows up, they do like two amazing albums and then they disappear. And it's their right. If that's what they want, that's great. And um, not everyone wants to live their life in the hot house or in the kitchen or whatever, whatever is the crazy chaos. Um, yeah, so I I have always wanted to be sustainable and like participate in the public sphere like for a lifetime. Like it's not a, for me, it's not a like show up and go away thing. Like so I, I've, I've, I, I might have a bit of a chip on my shoulder about this with regards to like conversations I had with my, and so, you know, I, I also mentioned like I used to hang out with my friends every day. Uh, as teenagers and we would like have these like quote unquote philosophical discussions about like oh how how are we going to change and improve society you know like the young men uh, discourse debate and I was always like well you got to stick around for a long time and my friends were, yeah it was just a, bit, a lot of disagreement and and you know I'm I'm still posting and as far as I know most of them are not so I, I have that that kind of survivor's guilt slash I told you so, why weren't you listening to me kind of thing. I'm still processing that stuff. But um, <laughs> so I have to be careful not to project all of those feelings onto someone who is like, oh, they came on Twitter or they started a blog and they had a good time for a couple of years and then it was not so fun anymore and so they wanted to leave. And I have to like be careful that I don't be like, how dare you? You know, you're yeah. supposed to like, are you, are you giving up on your mission? Are you like, I'm a bit like a maniac about that. Uh, but yeah, it is it is human and normal to get tired. I think, uh, and and sometimes people just their burst of inspiration, it just it lasts a few years and then they they've said what they had to say and they you know they want to have kids and and they've they've made a bunch of friends that they are happy with and they want to kind of grow old with and they're not necessarily interested in continuing the the public contribution that they've made. And I guess part of how I, I want to think about this to, to kind of like resolve my own tension is that anybody who shows up in the public and contributes to the public commons in a wholesome way, they have done more than most people do, right? Like they have, you've shared your gift with the world or your perspective or your insight. And if you had like two albums in you and you wrote it and you you recorded and published it and you share that with the world that's 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 what you did and, and I appreciate that and I shouldn't be like you know like uh, hounding people to oh you you should have like a lifelong thing because if a person is continuing but their heart's not in it and they don't they're not enjoying themselves and they're not whatever then that's not as better outcome right. so people should do what they think is right um, I think what you're getting at is that like modern society has sort of <laughs> created Sort of like, I don't know, not like good enough paths. Uh, and like, I have this too. And like, I have some friends that are like, stop writing. Right. And they're great yeah. writers. Um, and they're focused on their careers now. And they've just sort uh, of like withdrawn everything, deleted things. And it's like, that just makes me sad. Same. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mostly because I just think the world would be a better place. Um, okay. Now that person, those, like several people I'm thinking of, uh, those people, like, I totally understand why they're doing that. <laughs> um, right. 
So you're sort of like making a long bet that like you can shift the culture. Yes. Yeah, I think part of it is that the environment isn't set up to encourage and support people in thinking and acting long term, right? Like uh, I've said to someone, I've said to multiple people that like, uh, you know, if you're going to make like a YouTube channel or something, you're better off making one video a month for 10 years yeah. than like, you know, like a video a day for like <laughs> six months at a breakneck pace and then you burn out and you quit, right? And and it could, because there's something about longevity and um, like just being around for a long period of time that is, it's very hard to put into words all of the value that comes with that. Like just you, you build familiarity, you cultivate voice, it's reassuring to people that, that you're around and you've lived through, you know, different presidents, pandemics, whatever I live, whatever. Just sticking around is just very powerful. And I almost see it sometimes as like, oh, people are like leaving value on the table. Not necessarily even money, but like money too, you know? Like yeah. just if you stick around, value compounds. Like your audience will grow, your impact will grow. Everything just keeps growing. As long as you don't quit and you you... And, you know, a big part of that is you shouldn't burn out either. So one of my, like, catchphrases is show up, don't die, don't quit. And, like, to stay in that kind of sustainable zone takes um, some amount of discipline. Oh, yeah. And I think a lot of a lot of people who come to, like, the creative, like, freestyle world, it's like... They want to replace their income as soon as possible. Replace their income, are you saying? Like, as soon income. as possible. Like, this is where I see people burn out the most. They're making, like, uh, good money, and they're like, all right, I want to replace my income in a year. They go super hard, and, like, this is too hard. I'm out of here. Yeah, I did, I, interesting. I derailed you a little there. No, 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 that's, that's interesting. Uh, I could get back to my thing, but your thing is interesting. Um, yeah, I think that... And, there's, and even as you say that, I'm thinking of a couple of things, because there's layers to it, right? Like, part of it is money. Um, and part of it, I think, is... Uh, it's not it's not just money so money yes but like so you know the question to us is like why do people why are, so, why are they so anxious to get to replacement so fast right and I think it's that they might not be comfortable with being in that kind of intermediate state of I'm making some money it's pretty cool but it's not good enough to make like a living on so I still have to do consulting work or I still have to do some other in between thing I think people are very uncomfortable in that in between state where your personal narrative doesn't make sense yet in a in, in a conventional setting, right? So it's like it sounds like you're saying I'm between jobs, right? It sounds like you're saying I'm unemployed, which sounds like you're saying yeah. I'm a useless kind of you know ineffective exactly. whatever. And that's not true, or it doesn't have to be true, but it's socially challenging to inhabit, which is tragic because um, if people could be patient, right, with themselves and with each other we would see a flourishing of more just beautiful outcomes on multiple dimensions. It's the pushiness to be like, I need to, I need to replace my income within a year that makes them like, oh, then I got to, you know, I got to sell this product and I got to do these marketing campaigns and then the language gets pushy and then they just basically become corporate. Like, you know, goodbye to the old <laughs> boss, hello to the new boss. And and the way out of that is is patience and Patience requires managing your psychology and being comfortable with loneliness. So I, I really appreciate, even without having read your book yet, I really appreciate that it exists 
so that I can like point people to it because I know that it has the even just the title, right? Puffless Puff. Like being aware that, oh, that's what I'm going to be doing. Not only is it useful to have like a phrase or something to point to, um, it should help people manage their psychology better so that they can be more patient, so that they can create the value or allow the value to show up in a way that is is useful for them and for others. Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm drifting off. I was wanted to say... No, I, I think that's spot on. Like, that shocked me, actually. Like, how many people have reached out to me telling me, like, exactly what you just said. And, like, nice. I that's underestimated yeah. how much my book would be a sort of, like, I call it, like, a fake permission slip. Like, right. I'm not doing anything. But it's, like, they can point <laughs> to it and be, like, well, I'm doing this. Other people are doing this. Here's sort of a phrase that people can't directly attack um and yeah it it sort of works and it's uh it's so cool to see that happen because like that is like the best outcome nice. for me is that it basically nice. makes people feel less weird um yeah and i think like on my path um first three years it was like barely breaking even like living a very <laughs> cheap lifestyle um, yeah, but this ties back to your long-term thinking is like, I, right. I, in it, I still like struggle to articulate this. So it's like, it's the heart, <laughs> the heart intuition of like, yeah. there's a connectedness with this work I'm doing. There's something here. I can't explain it. Can't prove it to anyone. I have no idea if it'll ever pay off. It may never pay off, but it's like yeah. worth doing in itself. And then <laughs> like, I sort of paired it with this like long vision of like, okay, like, clearly engaging online is, like, infinite upside. How are people missing mm, yes. this? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, I mean, so, with the engaging online upside thing, man, I've been in that, I've been banging that drum since I was a kid. And, it's yeah, it's really so interesting to ask. Too. It is, yeah. So crazy. And it's interesting, it's interesting to ask why people don't see what we see. And I, I have been trying to answer that question for a long time, having lots of conversations with people. Um, you know, I, I think we have a couple of. I want to joke and say we have a couple of screws loose. Oh, for but, sure. Uh, you know, it's it's that's I mean, always yeah, required. That. The people paving the different paths. <laughs> yeah, it's that, and uh, I think it also ties to the focus thing, like how we are willing to focus on what we want to see more of, and a lot of people just aren't. And you know, it feels like the most natural thing to us that we are who we are and like we see the world the way that we see it and so it's difficult to put yourself in the shoes of someone else like so I often get stuff get people asking me questions like uh, you know how do you deal with like being so I can help a lot of people with a lot of questions but some questions I just can't like uh, one of them is like how do you get over um, the fear of like being seen in a negative light maybe and like you don't I can give you what I think yeah that that's true yeah yeah and like yeah i can give you like some nice sounding things but yeah you're you you just jump straight to it like <laughs> I, I just live with it like i i guess i've used to being misinterpreted my whole life and yeah it, it just face this it's the wrong question to ask right and like i i saw another friend's tweet she was saying she was quoting some i don't know if it's a painter or a filmmaker but someone who's like 
people would ask him, how do I become an artist? And he would be like, oh, if you have to ask, like, just don't do it. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I, I, see the, I see the cleverness in that. Like, even as a directive to put, like, so it's like the bell curve that we mentioned earlier with the, with the Walmart <laughs> employees. Like, for the people in the, who are going to do it, or they are like, they are on the path sort of. Yeah. Um, telling them they shouldn't do it will actually make them, wait, 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 no, what? <laughs> Fuck you, I'm going to do it. <laughs> and then, so it takes some sensitivity and some, and there's always some element of chaos. But uh, yeah, we are still so early and people still don't see it. And I don't think our job is to like persuade everyone to see it. No. You know, our job is to see it as well as we can, share that clarity of sight with each other and find the other people who are kind of at the margin or the boundary of they can kind of see it, but they none of their peers or friends can help them with that. And so you kind of, you, you keep helping the people at the margins and then it swells from there. Uh, yeah, but yeah, we are, we are so early and there's just so much upside. That's so true. Yeah, I, I have a good response for the the fears. So like people ask me this all the time. Aren't you afraid of going broke? Aren't you afraid of etc.? It doesn't even matter what it is. It's their insecurities down right. line. Um, but and I usually respond in that similar like playful style. It's like, yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah, And then... Some yeah. people get curious, right? And then they're like, oh, oh, really? Uh, yeah, of course. Like, of course I worry yeah. about money. But, like, I think in the workplace, and maybe you just were always wired a bit different, in the workplace, there's sort of this silent conspiracy to never bring these things up. Right. But they're there. And then when you, like, yeah. go off on your own, they're just, like, right. they're dancing around with you every day. And eventually, yeah. you just learn to dance with them. And there's, they're like micro existential crises. Uh, so it's like you can kind of like schedule it in. It's like, okay, 4.30 to 4.45, I'm <laughs> going to have my existential crisis. But freak out. been there, done that, going to ride that, going to keep right. going. Oh, man, look at my shit. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> it, says, it says, I've resolved my existential crisis and all I got was this t-shirt. <laughs> Perfect. And this was from... Yeah, this uh, this is one of the first t-shirts that I made for the t-shirt brand that I wanted to make. No, so that's, that's funny. Um, well, I'll have to say something. What would you say before that? Oh, yeah. So, you know, so we now live in like uncertain times, right? Like uh, economy and interest rates and all, all that inflation war. And I kind of joke with my wife sometimes like, hey, you know, I have no like job insecurity right like i don't i don't need to like you can't get fired if you don't have a job yeah right? and you know there's this like comedy to it but there's also a truth to it and, it's and so true. i think um caleb wrote about this in like black swan and anti-fragile and whatever like so like if you're if you're like a taxi driver like you have to worry about oh no like like today i had a not so good day i didn't get, get as many fares and like sometimes you might have an extra good day and make a lot of fares but like there's never a day where like nothing and if there's a day that's like nothing, the next day is different, right? So you, you have that kind of, the volatility is priced in day to day and you live with that. Whereas if you have a job at a company, right? And Jim Carrey has this great anecdote about his father. And he said that his father was doing like the prop, his father was very funny, could have been a comedian, but chose to do like the stable thing. And then he got laid off like during a recession or something, he just got laid off. And he's like, you can do everything right. And then it can all come down, crashing down on you. So, Jim Carrey's uh, conclusion was that you might as well take a risk and do what you want to do anyway. 
uh, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of stuff to get into from that. But yeah. like, yeah, just the sense of if you can take, like you can't escape stress. You know, there's, there's a, you can't escape risk. And it's just a matter of like, how do you want to manage your risk? I, yeah, I think, you know, sometimes people say to me things like, oh, how are you so like risk tolerant? And I don't think that's I'm actually not either. true. I think, I, yeah, I'm actually very risk of, I actually came onto my path out of anxiety that I would not be able to stomach the like hidden risk of having a job and one day I lose my job and then what? Like, oh fuck, I, I don't know how I'm going to deal with that. Like, uh, yeah. So it's, I, I do think people have very, uh, just as they don't see the upside to the internet, they also have just very miscalibrated um, like risk profile, risk assessment profiles and stuff. Yeah, I, I think I'm like very risk averse. Like if, if, if basically like I don't think I have any risk of like going absolutely broke mostly because like I would <laughs> just lower my expenses. Yeah. And right. um, I don't need, I don't have, I don't need to take any time to like revamp my identity and deal with like a loss of a career or a job. It's like, yeah. well, if I stop making money, I'll just I'll f- figure it out. Yeah. Um, how, how are you making money these days? And like, how has that shifted? Right. So I have a Patreon, uh, which is like a quarter of my bills ish. Uh, I sell ebooks, right? So that's like another. It fluctuates, so it can go between like a quarter to half. It depends on on how 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 much sales I'm getting, and I also still do some marketing consulting. I I call it marketing consulting because I used to work in software marketing, and that's just the language that I have that works best. It's actually you know it's a bit of therapy, it's a bit of coaching, it's a bit of like people just pay me to hang out and and help them think through their problems and solve their problems with them. Uh, which is again, it's like a if I had. You know, I dreamed of doing that as a kid. I remember I had a blog post when I was a teenager saying, ah, I wish I could just be like a roving troubleshooter, right? Like just a, just, you should, I wish people you would pay call me to it just, that. Yeah, I think so. I think roving trouble, like digital roving troubleshooting, like that's cool. I like right. that. Right? Like, yeah, I'll just, I'll just hang out with you and listen to you talk and, and pay close attention because I actually give a shit. And, and you know, I, I like, I love to qualify my clients very thoroughly. I'm like, you know, text me what you think you need. And like, I charge $500 per session. And the idea there is not, oh, I think I'm so important that I deserve X amount of money. It's more of like, I want to make sure that I always deliver at least that amount of, of value in our exchange. Because otherwise, I don't, I don't feel good about myself. Like if, if I made you spend an hour and a half and it's like, you know, just if I don't bring that kind of um, energy and, and insight I'm getting into the, the weeds on this but like yeah you know I want, I'm want i like a roving troubleshooter I help people um, just think clearly through their problems and to figure out there's, there's almost always like a it's crazy I, I, and I, I've kind of switched flipped flipped my perspective on this because I remember when I was younger and I was reading about people who are like oh I'm a life coach or I'm a XYZ coach and I'm like people pay money for that like what's well, why why would you pay money for that and you know, because I mean, I I am very independent to the point of like refusing help from other people, which is a weakness on my part that I'm working on. I went through this. But now too. I've come to right, like uh, I got to figure everything out by myself. Yeah. DIY, self-taught, read all the manuals, which is not bad. Right? There's there's something useful about that. But like, there comes to a point where the bottleneck is not getting perspective from other people. Uh, but yeah, so now I've come to see that 
and especially, you know, that's funny. I think helping my clients has helped me see how I could be helped by someone else. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, and like, so one of the things that I do for my clients is that I sit down. So, you know, it's, I, I, I take other people more seriously than I take myself in a sense. And I'm like, okay, let's help you with this. Let, let's, the first thing I always tell people is let's, let's do an inventory of all your stuff. And like, show me your website, your Twitter, your blog, your, you know, how you're talking about this. And then I, as I'm going through that, I'm like, huh, I haven't done this with myself in a long time. You know, like, just, just, you know, like, so very often people will have a website or a blog or something and there will be something good about it because, you know, they were, they were compelled to, to put together stuff because they had some idea, they had something they cared about, but they very seldom lead with it because they're shy, they're nervous, they're uncertain, they, or whatever reason, they tend to like bury it a little bit. Yeah. And so very often it's like, oh, there's something on like page three or like there's one line in their about me page that's like all the way near the bottom. And you're like, this is amazing. You should lead, your website should be, I am so-and-so and this is what I do and this is how I do it. And that would like get them more clients or get them more money or more effectiveness, whatever. And people don't do that. And then, and I realized that I am not doing that as effectively as I could be doing. And it would be very worthwhile for me to pay someone $1,000 to walk through that process with me because the, the downstream value would be so high. And it's just, there's just a, a, a way of thinking that is, um, I don't know if I'll call it abundance mindset, but it's just an a instrumental way of thinking that when I realized that I flinched from the idea of that, like flinched from the idea of raising my prices or charging so much or whatever, I realized that I'm still, I still have some internalized um, kind of job life mindset where, where your, the m- amount of money you charge or you make is a measure of like your prestige or status or something yeah. and not the amount of value you create, which is, so it's funny because even being like, feral for so long I still have some of that programming or I think I, I don't think I have that programming myself that much but like I anticipate that I would potentially so this is like preemptive me being preemptive right I anticipate that I would encounter someone who's like how dare you charge so much who do you think you are and and I can defend I can defend other people very easily I'll be like anyone should be able to charge whatever they feel like charging and the market will decide right. you know like what you say doesn't matter. You can, ch- like, I think I once said, doesn't you matter if charge. you're charging a thousand. If you have no clients, you're yeah. not actually doing any work. Correct. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, the market will pay whatever the market will pay. It's worth to someone, whatever it is that you charge. Right. And, like, I have another tweet somewhere, which is like the difference. There's one of the great psychic divides in society is between people who have actually sold stuff in an open marketplace and people who have not. And if you've sold stuff, like, so I used to sell t shirts even. You can just see some people will be like, will balk at the price. Some people don't even yeah. flinch. They don't even think twice. They're like, you, and you know that, oh, they would pay more, you know, because they, it's, and it's just, you realize that you're generalizing from your context and like your, your psychology of pricing and your idea of what is valuable and what is not. And someone else can have a completely different perspective on that. And that is very trippy to really come to terms with. And it's humbling as well. It makes you realize that your own perspective is so limited and there's just such a different world out there. So many different worlds out there. Yeah, money psychology yeah. is like, like that is one of the top like inner games you need to master, I think, on a pathless path. Um, we're so anchored mm-hmm. to stuff. Like, yes, 
Yes. I'm always, I'm fascinated now because I've sort of worked through a lot of my issues. When I hear people who have like millions of dollars, like, oh, this place has gas three cents cheaper. It's like, right, right. You've, yeah, yeah. You've yeah. graduated beyond that problem, but you haven't realized it yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's really trippy. I was talking to Michael Ashcroft yeah. and uh, we both noticed that we both kind of left whatever previous job we were in and we are both making roughly the same amount of money that we were making in the previous job. This is like, this and that's, is so interesting. Let's dive into this. Right. Right. It, it, it can't be a random coincidence, but it's, it's freaky because it doesn't feel like a conscious decision. Right. But it see like, it's just, it's so close that, it suggests that at some level, and I believe this to be true, I think there's like a so social, cultural, psychological, homeostatic impulse. Yeah. So homeostasis is just the human body temperature is regulated a certain way. And we just self-regulate in ways that we might not realize that we're doing. Right? Like these opportunities, yes. Those opportunities, no. You know, this this amount of money, yes. Past that, like, so once you once you add the threshold, so you don't think, oh, I should stop making more money. You just... You make enough and then you're like, oh, I wonder what's on TV or I wonder what's... You, know, you, you just kind of... And like day to day, you don't feel like you're doing anything particular. But like, man, we are, like you said, we are anchored to our... What we think we deserve or what we think is right for us. Which is very trippy to think about. Yeah, this is interesting. So this year is... My fifth year is the first year I've like matched um, what my former income okay. is. And I was thinking about uh-huh. this. I'm like, am I just going to like anchor and plateau here now? Right? Because uh-huh. like that, it does feel true. And like one thing that's made me realize, like the tech economy in the U.S. is totally detached from the normal economy. I never worked in tech. Mm. The tech salaries okay. of like my peers who went to business school are like insane. And so I'll have these conversations with people who are like thinking about leaving and they'll be making like four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars $500,000. And then they'll like, I have this one person. He detailed to me like, okay, here's my plan for making 400000 working on my own. And then he did it. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, what am I missing? Like, that's crazy. It's like, I, oh man, I, my impulse to his, like, he had this like Google Doc. I'm like, he can't do that. That's, that's crazy. Like, He's got to take more years. You got to like struggle. You got to like earn a low income. That was like my narrative and my path. Um, right. But I, I think I sort of took a slow path because I sensed I was working through personal issues, not business yeah. issues. Yeah. And yeah, I had a sense I worked 10 years before I left. I was like, I have like five emergency break glass to make money plans. I don't want to do those. Uh. Um, I need to find a different path and I need to like upgrade myself first. Um, so I didn't really go after the money. But yeah, this stuff is crazy. Um, That's insane. You know, it, I almost find myself thinking like if, if and I, I wouldn't actually suggest this because I, I, even that is, you know, but like there's a parallel possible path where if every day or every week we just call each other and just be like, you can make more money. 
you know, you could be. And, we and should like, start this group chat and just like that's the that's the only text we can send. Only thing, just yeah, see you what can make more money. <laughs> I think it, you know, like so again when I was a kid and I used to read like life coach shit. I'm like ah, that 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 seems ridiculous. But now I'm starting to kind of get it. It's simpler than I thought, but it's also. And I, I'm still I'm still processing all this stuff, but like yeah, there is something about limiting self belief uh, about what you're worth, how much you can charge, it's, and just all of those things. Like, well, I think this is a powerful thing globally with the internet now too. If you can like speak American English on the internet, right? And like yeah. what like internet American English, like so you can like understand tech yeah. and like entrepreneurship sure, and like yeah. understand how to collaborate. Like, people will let you charge U.S. rates if you're able to, like, make that, like, stance towards, like, work in, like, a savvy way. Um, Yeah. And, like, because you realize, like, Americans, like, we have a crazy labor economy that just pays insane wages. And, like, you have, like, random average workers that just, like, assume life should give you $150,000 incomes. Yeah. And then you have yeah. like highly exceptional people in like Asia who are like uh-huh. and I went through this with my wife. She's from Taiwan. She she moved here, started freelancing, and like I can't charge more than fifteen dollars an hour. I'm like, what? Um, Why? Um right. but she kept charging uh, yeah. higher rates and it's like, oh my gosh, like people aren't even like questioning these rates. I need to raise them. Yeah, yeah. So even with my books, right? Like, so my first ebook, Friendly Ambitious Nerd, I I copied the pricing of like some other ebook. Gum, I think Wint Drill, like his ebook was like six ninety nine or seven ninety nine. So I'm like, yeah, I'll just copy Drill's pricing. And so I sold like two thousand seven hundred plus copies of that, which is like twenty something thousand dollars, I think. And then introspect my second book. I I spent a lot more time on it, so I'm I, I to me I'm like okay, this is it's a much it's a proper book. It's worth charging more, so I charge like fifteen bucks. And you know, like my assumptions about demand and supply is that oh well, you know, if you char- if you if this book is costs almost twice as much, you should probably see like half as much sales ish, <laughs> some, something yeah. like that. Like there's there's some supply demand assumptions in my head. But like, no, like I've already made more money from the second book. And I mean, well, it's not all else felt constant, right? Because it, it is a better book in some ways and it's more, um, it has a better like value proposition, I guess. I I think you underpriced the first book. Like, I think like yeah. up until like, like up like nine ninety nine minimum, I don't think most people are blinking. Agreed, yeah. yeah. And so any anybody who's already... And like I think very often like the the purchase like um, psychology is like if 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 it's there's a people it's like a huge bump from zero to like one cent right there's people who are like I'm not gonna pay anything for this yeah. so even zero to one cent you get a huge drop off yeah but like once you've agreed to pay one cent you're like oh like uh, five dollars it's like from five dollars to ten dollars it's like if it's if it's like a product that they're gonna read and keep and whatever like going from five to ten to fifteen it feels like it feels like more to ask. But at the point of purchase, it's like if you like the author, you like the work, and you're like, oh, you know, five bucks for whatever. Yeah, and e- even book pricing is weird. Like you, people <laughs> will, I'm sure you've been asked, what's the way I you get the most amount of money for this, right? And it's like, okay, what what they're really asking is, 
given that I will pay fifteen ninety nine, how do you get the mm-hmm. most percentage of that? Like, right. I said to somebody once, I was like, well, you can send me as much money as you want. <laughs> right. But they don't necessarily, but how did that go? I mean, I was just joking around, but um, I don't remember how it went. I think it was just a, a light reaction. But um, right. yeah, that's the reality. Like, because a book exists, they're like, okay, I want to transfer a certain amount of money to you, but a very specific amount that is like a proper amount to pay for a book. But like, we could be living in an alternate reality where books are $100 and that's just like what people pay for books. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've had, I've had, so I, I, I'm set up on Gumroad yeah. and I've had three different people over the years, over two years, right? three people in two years who uh, put in $1,000 for one of my books. And twice, and so all three times people wanted to pay me that. Yeah. Uh, it went through once. So somebody actually paid $1,000 for one of my books. And the other two times, Gumroad flagged it as fraud. <laughs> and like, they they emailed me to be like, hey, what's going on? I want to give you cash. And like, it's marked me as fraud. Somebody even sent me a meme of like uh, the the porn stars guy, which is like, Visa, $1,000 for my book, Visa, best I can do is 100 bucks. Like, And you know, so I did leave like $1,800 on the table because Gumroad, I mean, whatever, like, it's, not, it's not a huge deal. But like, it's good to know that Again, like if you have like two thousand readers, one of them will pay you a thousand bucks. Yeah, because they can and they like your stuff and they and it really helps to like um just be mindful of that. So even with my Patreon, right? Like when I first set up my Patreon, I was just randomly filling in the details for the pricing tiers and for like uh I put so I, I did think as far ahead as oh you know like for for anchor psychology you should put a large number that you don't expect anyone to do. And the copy I put in that was like, oh, wow, you must be crazy. Like, like what the hell? Like, what's wrong with you? Kind of thing. And then someone texted me, and this is a very valuable text to send me. Someone texted me, hey, I wanted to give you more, but it looked from your language like you didn't want anyone to do that. So I didn't want it to be weird. And I was like, oh, like that like set the gear spinning. I was like, oh my God, like some people have a lot of money. They don't know what to do with it. And they would like to give it to a creator that they'll enjoy. Yeah. And so I, I did rephrase that to I made it like oh Medici tier like you're my biggest patrons whatever there, there is some amount of um like expectation management that you want to do For because sure. I think yeah. that you can like, get it's like, very tricky um yeah you don't want you don't you don't want someone to get the sense <laughs> that oh by giving you a fat sum of money they now like own your time or they're entitled to some response so you want to communicate boundaries yeah. around that very very carefully and it makes sense that some people avoid that problem entirely by just not thinking about it and having oh I don't charge a lot of money like no one person should give me a lot of money because I don't want to deal with that which is fair it's fine but again like we should be people should think about this stuff because it can be so lucrative it can pay for your bills you know like uh, yeah yeah and it's a lot yeah it's super tricky because like the person who's gonna pay you $250 a month um even if they don't expect something, you are going to feel like you owe feel, them something. Yeah. Like this is just yeah. the nature yeah. of receiving gifts. Yeah. Like, um, mm-hmm. yeah. How did how did it feel to get a thousand dollars for your book? Like gratitude. Like, what did you feel? Yeah, yeah. Scary? No, so for, for the book, it was easier. I think because I, I think for the book, it's nice because well, at my first at first glance when I saw the notification, I was like, holy shit! Like, <laughs> is this a mistake? Did someone typo or something? 
And uh, but you know, and once you've had it a couple of times, you're like, oh, okay, it's possible that people with that much kind of disposable income like your stuff enough that they want to do that. And um, how I frame these things is, uh, and I got this from like I can't remember who I got it from, but like I have this motif of paying things forward. Yeah. So I'm like, if anyone gives me a lot of money or a lot of credit or a lot of anything that just feels like a lot. What I do is, you know, I, I receive it. I uh, I sit with it for like a beat. Right? Like, I appreciate, thank you for so much support. Um, it's a lot. I hope, you know, it was uh, a thoughtful thing on your part and not like something crazy for you. But if if you are serious about this, I will I will accept and I will, you know, kind of redirect my energy onwards. Same for like, you know, it's like if like, something goes super viral on Twitter and it feels like, wow, I don't quote-unquote deserve all this attention. Uh, I will just be like, I will use, I would like to use this opportunity to, you know, plug some fresh new voices and kind of encourage yeah, these people. Or, like that, that kind of psychology, I find that it just, it, it, it reduces the, the tension to like do this very effusive um you know, it's like winning an Oscar and like whatever. <laughs> like, uh, and even so, even with Oscar winning speeches, people thank the other people that were involved, yeah. right? And that is, I think that is the way we should distribute the load, right? So that no one person has to be like pedestalized with tons of money and tons of, of everything. Yeah. So this was one of the reasons I reached out. I, I don't think it's going to end up being this. We sort of rift in a bunch of different directions. But like, oh, right. one of yes. my, one of oh, my yeah. ideas was to like shout out um, a bunch of mm-hmm. like different. Um, creators and like up and coming. I think both of us really enjoy this. Like, I think this is one reason I love just like using the internet and like to share ideas. Like, being online now that I have an audience, I can just like shout out people all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's the best. It's the best. And it's good stuff. Um, what are some of, what are some of the people you're following um, lately that you're like, oh, wow, this person needs to get a bigger audience or their stuff is so uh, good. Yes. So I, I just tweeted about uh, one of my mutuals. Her username is Isabel, I-S-A-B-E-L, Unraveled, U-N-R-A-V-E-L-E-D. And oh, she I've, seems I to met be, Isabel you last year. Oh, you've been? She's awesome. Oh, nice. How, how did you... <laughs> right, yeah. So I, I... What a small world, right? <laughs> like she's... Her, her thing says Toronto, her location. Um, but you know, so she, I I don't know how we found each other, right? Again, it's like just like minds. You you see some you see snippets of text somewhere on the internet. You're like, oh, this person and I like we have some affinity, and she has been on like a hot streak for like the past month or something, or, or several months, and it's like the same things we talk about, but she she's in a relatively like fresh state, yeah. Like she says stuff that so I good. have said before, but in her own language and um. You know, seeing her do her thing makes me realize I'm a little bit tired. <laughs> like I've, I, because I have been saying what she. So she's We're like washed her, out. her Twitter account. Yeah, her her tweet count is like three thousand four hundred tweets, and I'm at like two hundred thousand plus. Like I've been doing roughly the same thing, but like for like fifteen years. And I would much rather people rather than me kind of running dry, being washed up, right? Like and. Like, uh, I'm repeating myself and I don't even, I'm starting to kind of get tired of saying the same thing. I would much rather people hear it from a fresh, excited voice where they are, you know, kind of, it's percolating in real time and it's it's all happening for them. 
uh, yeah, I would highly recommend people follow her because like she she's in the zone right now, right? Like, and I think with a lot of creators, there's a there's a period of like like so when I talk about like lifelong um like long game creativeness, even then you still do have like hot streaks and trials and like long periods of time where even just lying fallow, like David Ogilvy used to say, like he would work very hard and then he would like take a vacation and not even talk to anybody don't even think like just just vegetate and that's an important part of the process as well which is great for the creative it's not so great for the audience it's like what's, what's happening so yeah and again like because we have multiple people um, we can direct people to whoever is currently in their hot streak so that everyone can enjoy that yeah I, I love that I've I found a hot streak in 2020 2021 um, just like I've been writing about work for a few years, and then like the world right. became interested, and all oh, right, yeah, it's like oh wow, this is amazing. Um, but if, yeah, Isabel's amazing. Uh, when I met her, I think she had like a few posts on Medium, and I was just <laughs> like, these are really good. And then like uh. seeing all her writing over the past year, it's it's so good. So. Huge shout out to her. We are going to link that up. I'm gonna like cut this clip out and uh, post it as well to give her some hype. Um, uh, nice. Yes. What? Uh, w- one person I've been following who I met through my wife, and both of these people, um, Isabel and Michelle, who I'm about to mention, went through rite of passage, and I think rite hey. of passage is this secret. I actually live like yeah. right next to David. Um, oh, yeah. nice. But. Uh, it is unleashing like so many interesting people. Um, Wonderful. And I didn't never take in Rite of Passage, but my wife did. And she's like meeting all the people and connecting people. So it's uh, it's amazing. Yeah. Michelle Varhus is her handle on uh, Twitter. Her writing about like quitting her job and taking a sabbatical has been so good. And this is something I want people to realize is that like people like me, I'm writing my stuff because there's not enough people writing this stuff. So <laughs> literally anyone shows up, starts writing about like work, sabbaticals, reflecting on leisure, trying to find a new path. I'm going to be reading <laughs> because there's yeah. still a massive shortage of interesting writing right. and ideas around this. Like there's a couple <laughs> popular writers, but they're not very good. They're like way past their prime. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and she, she's done 100 podcasts, um, so she's passed the Do 100 challenge on this nice. podcast status post-adulting with her um, sister. I think her stuff is going to blow up. Uh, it's, it's really good. How do I spell? Um, I'll link it in the chat here. Um, okay, awesome. M-B-A-R-G-H-O-O-S-E. Um, yeah, and so shout out to David Perel too. He just keeps creating so many interesting uh, internet weirdos that are unleashing. It's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I was reading some uh, Jane Jacobs. So she was talking about cities, right? This is one of my like long-term curiosities that I'm slowly making sense of. And one of Jane Jacobs kind of sub, like almost startlingly um, sharp or like you know, it, sometimes you read something and you're like, that's, that seems very strongly put and very confidently put. Like, how how could you possibly say that with such confidence, right? And her, her idea is like, 
all wealth is created from specialization and trade. That's it. You know, that, that's my 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 interpretation. So maybe I've I've read it wrongly, but like it's a reductive perspective that seems to work. Yeah. And um, the other one I remember thinking was a uh, high output management. Andy Grove. He said, "Oh, if people, if your employees are not doing something, or if just if people are not doing something, there's only two reasons: either they're unwilling or they're unable. And so, if they're unwilling or unable, they either need motivation or training. That's it. I'm like." That's it. Like you know, when you when when someone who is like so familiar with a subject matter is able to reduce it to to say it's two things and nothing else, and to say it's two like there are two main things like okay and nothing else like what like, <laughs> oh because they've they've thought through it so well anyway so Jane Jacobs says specialization and trade, and I have been obsessed with this in the sense that in a group of friends or a group of because that's how all cities develop right yeah. like there's a group of people who show up in the same space. And the way they create wealth is specialization and trade. Well, I think to be specific, she talks about import replacement. So like in Tokyo, for example, there were like um, bicycle shops that would import bicycles. And then eventually they would also be repairing bicycles. And the people who are repairing bicycles develop like expertise. They know what the spare products are, what blah, blah, blah. And even now in the world, like people who repair smartphones, the people who repair smartphones know and understand smartphones better than the people who make smartphones because they just see so many different kinds of, right? And so if those people were to start something potentially, like they, they might know things that even the state-of-the-art smartphone maker. Anyway, I keep getting derailed. Yeah. Point is, this goes back to David. Um, the idea is that any group of friends, any group of peers, like you know, digital nomads, pathless path people, whatever, we can all kind of exist in roughly the same space. And then we can specialize and trade. And when we each specialize in different things, we can trade our skills, our specializations, and that would literally create wealth, right? So somebody becomes a writing coach, somebody becomes a fitness coach or whatever. Like Again, like when I say coach, I, I, I myself get like, I start getting preemptive <laughs> and be like, oh, is it just a, a matryoshka let's, coaches, coaching, let's coaches, run coaching, with coaches? It. I have great listeners. Right, yeah, but exactly. It's like the you know one of my favorite discoveries on Twitter was this guy Sam. Oh, it's, Sam! Uh, Move, Sam is Move, amazing from Move Move Better Project. Oh wait, and is, he, is this Sam Sager? A, a different or? Sam? No, it's a different. Oh, Sam. there's but another this, good, good Sam. This is another good Sam. You need to check out Sam Sager. Yeah, Sam Sager. I know, okay. I know Sager. Yeah, he's he's also he's also in fitness. Yeah. Interestingly, but they do different things, right? So Sam Sager does like the intuitive fitness stuff. Yeah. And Sam Martin, the other guy, he does, uh, he's like a physio. And he's like just this amazing, he's like a nerd when it comes to understanding like just full body fascia and like how everything connects to everything. And just, you know, if to the point where once I think I posted about having some back pain or, or hip pain or something. And I asked, I asked people, what kind of pains do you have? And so I had like, you know, like dozens of people saying, oh, you know, my hip, my leg, my arm, my shoulder. And he would show up in the reply saying, you should try this. You should try that. And then those people would reply, holy shit, you just fixed the problem that I've had for five years and I didn't, couldn't get anyone That's to solve amazing. it. And you just solved it by replying with a tweet and, and or maybe a video or something. And I'm like, wow, this guy needs to be famous because he is fixing people in my mentions. And, you know, at, he's... At uh, I'm going to shout him out. At App move better, Sam, a magician yeah. with two thousand followers. That's correct. Yeah, crazy. And when I when he showed up in my mentions, he had like 
a hundred, I think, or less. And, you know, he's specialized in fixing people's pains and he has helped hundreds of people in my mentions. And I am specialized at getting internet eyeballs onto people, right? So, I'm, so he specializes in pains and I specialize in finding a market for people who like that, right? And just the way that the synergy of us helping each other out is just so beautiful. And I love this particular example because it's so concrete. There's people with pain who need to know someone like Sam and Sam needs to connect with people like that. And like, but he, he shouldn't necessarily spend years of his life getting good at marketing, right? Like right. he should just keep getting better at what he's doing. And friends who can help with marketing can help. And so there's that win-win synergy there. Yeah, this is something I don't think uh, the whole ecosystem of like the creator economy does well. I think it's yeah, it's still right? yeah. so hard as mm-hmm. an individual to know how to spend my time. Correct. I really don't have a good feel for like how what I'm working on contributes to things. Oh shit, that's that's sad for me to hear, man. Like yeah, I wanna so, like the moment you say that, I'm like, I wanna help you with that. So you know? I like, but maybe I think I would add some nuance around that. I I think I understand. <laughs> right, I think I understand. Like my writing seems to have a powerful impact and really helps people. And sharing my story and highlighting other people's stories. I sort of know that. What I'm saying is, what are the actions I should be doing that would like contribute to like the broader ecosystem? And like, how do I think about spending my time? Right? Should I spend 60% of my time like hosting events and connecting people? Should I be heads down creating more for the next few years? And like how to balance that? just on like a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis. And this is just like part of this path. Um, But I think a lot of people default to like making their own self into a business enterprise and successful and don't invest enough in like the broader ecosystem of like things that might come back in unexpected ways a few years from now to help you. Yeah, maybe it just ties back to your long-term mindset. That's part of it, yeah. You know, like, so again, if so, part of how long term things work is that you have to be able to trust that the people around are going to stick around, right? Because if they're going to disappear in a year or two, then, you know, why bother, right? But yeah, so it's very, very worthwhile in a scene of like a thousand people, let's say, to find the 10 people that, and it's probably more than 10, but like find 10 to 50 people or whatever that you trust will be around for the long haul, like 20, 30 years down the line. And, you know, again, I'm not saying that people who quit or leave are bad, right? It's, again, it's each person's free choice to play how they want to play and leave where they want to leave. Like, but, like, really the insight is that compounding returns compound so much. I think there's, a, there's like, Warren Buffett made, like, half his money in the last two or three years. Like, like you know... <laughs> Crazy. Over like eighty, yeah, right. So it's like, and again, I'm not, I'm not even interested in like that kind of insane investing money kind of thing. But like, compound interest is just, is just not. It breaks human brains, like to see, like when it doubles and doubles. Even, even with like my Twitter following, my Twitter follower count, I, I have this quick story I can tell about how like when I was, like ten years ago, I think I had like, or like 15, twelve years ago, I had like less than a thousand followers. I had like maybe 400. And I'm like, okay, I want to get to a thousand followers. And by next year, do you think I can do it? And I didn't do it. Like I was, I was hoping to get to a thousand and I didn't. And so I, I was hoping to get 600 followers and I made less than that. 
And if you had told me then that, oh, um, 12 years from now, you're going to have like 40-something thousand, that would be insane. Because even if I had met my goal times two, so like if I had made like a thousand plus followers in a year, in 10 years, that's still like 10K. Or even let's say if it's 2,000, it's 20K. Which is like, it's outra- it would have been outrageous to me at the time because it's just so much more than what I had managed. And I, I failed to achieve my goal back then. But I just stuck, just stuck with it because why not? I love what I do. And again, the compounding is so unintuitive that, uh, you know, like, and like maybe next year I'll have like, like 50 something. I, I don't even care about the numbers specifically anymore. But like, just it's been shocking to me how my intuition for numbers was so wrong. Yeah, like, you know, at, at my most optimistic, I was still insufficiently optimistic. That's the thing. It's like, I think David Senra, I'm not sure if you've listened to his uh, podcast yet, mm-hmm. but he was saying there's people that uh, don't understand the scale of the internet and there's people that do understand the scale of the internet. Um, and they both, like, and the thing about the people that do understand the scale of the internet is they also don't understand the scale of the internet. I'm butchering that quote, yeah. but like... yeah. Like when when I first started writing my book, I had twenty five hundred newsletter subscribers, and when I launched it a year later, I had a hundred pre sales. And if you had asked me what success looks like, I would say, I don't know, like a thousand books would be like life changing, like maybe over like five years. Um, and I sold like 9,000 books this year. It's insane. Awesome. Yeah, it's just... uh, Yeah, I found some old notes in my paper notebook where I was like, if I sell 200 books, I'll be so happy. Right? Like, it's... And it's just... Yeah, internet scale. It's... Oh, man. I I think... Yeah, I think... It's because the early days seem so fragile and... And... Right? In In the... Sub hundred zone, right? It just seems like oh, no one's listening, nobody cares. It's like I'm in a shouting to the wall void, or like you know, and it it does take almost like an act of faith. Yeah, but I, you know, I, 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 I did have faith, and it wasn't, it wasn't like mystical, right? It was like math. It was I figured that I can't be the only guy like me. I have, you know, on Reddit and other forums and whatever, I have seen thoughtful people write thoughtful comments in responses to like one other person right like and so i know that such people exist and maybe it's one in a thousand people right so that's 0.1 percent right so if it's one and then it's like i I really do the math on this like if it's one in a thousand people who's like that that means you have to talk to i think like thousand eight hundred thousand six hundred there's some math number for like let's say it's two thousand people you need to talk to two thousand people to find your one first real friend right yeah which sounds like it's some people hear that and they're like oh no i'm never gonna find that real friend i'm like two thousand is not a lot it's like if if you do three a day that's like you know within like if you do five a day right that's that's 400 that's barely over a year and like if a little bit of effort every day for a year and a half leads to you finding your soulmate finding your creative partner finding just someone who you can really talk to, that changes the trajectory and the quality of the rest of your life. So, I always believe that and I always, uh, and you know, that wasn't like, I wasn't like 
killing myself over it while I was doing it. You know, it's like you can sustainably do that yeah. while living your life, while you still have a job, like, you know, on the commutes, on the way to work, and that kind of thing. And yeah, once you have that, then then you're off to the races, right? Because then you can, once you found the first person, they might have a friend who's like you. And so it gets easier and easier to match and match. Which is why, you know, like, it's funny, like when I bring up someone that I like, you already know the person. Like, yeah, because the paths do converge in some ways. And because we all flow towards what we think is interesting, I guess, and what we think is is compelling and exciting. Yeah, it's, and, it seems yeah. like there are a lot of people who are thoughtful and curious. Um, but in sharing their stuff, but it is still so, so few people. It is very few, yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, again, like, we are really not wired for the scale of the internet and the scale of the world, even, right? Like, just, just there are billions like, of people. For example, like, we don't like, even know what's up. Listen Notes has this, like, rank of podcasts. It lists my podcast as a top 1% podcast. Now, because, yeah, I don't tweet this because, like, okay, it's, that just means there's just a lot of people not listening to like defunct podcasts. But there, Correct, there's yeah. like a very small number of total podcasts um, on earth. <laughs> and like most people I know right. before my creator path don't have okay. a podcast. Right. Yeah. I mean, so between me and you, I can say this and, and you know it's true. Anybody who wants a top 0.1% podcast even, if you want it, you can have it. Yeah, basically, that's it. Like you, you just, you, you, I think just do 500 <laughs> episodes and keep sharing thoughtfully and try to get better. Yeah. Yeah. If you actually want it, you can have it. But like, I guess the, the tricky thing is people, again, it's like the long game thing is managing your psychology. You know, so I wrote Introspect like uh, to kind of address those things so that I can, if, if I meet someone who's like, they want it, but they're struggling, like that's a solvable problem. Like, you can figure it out and, and, and resolve it. But like, yeah, if, if you want it, you can have, we are seriously still in the early days and it's, yeah, like, I think I was telling, yeah, or were you going to uh, mention Danny? No, I was going to say David. Oh, I was going to say, uh, I, I think, think uh, like uh, Danny Miranda, like he's going, oh, he's going to be, he's, he's going to have he's a on the path, 0.1% yeah. podcast. Correct. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I talked to him like a couple years ago and then like met him in Perth. He's now moved to Austin because everyone lives in Austin now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just when I talk to him, he, he has the heart and like, he has yeah. the heart and he wants to get better. And that's like all you need. It, yeah. But that is hard. That, those two things yeah. are very hard to right. prioritize right. in your life. But yeah, go right. back to David. I think Qu Quentin Tarantino has a quote that's like, uh, if you just love, a mo if you love movies, if you really, really love movies, you live and breathe movies, you watch movies all your life blah 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 and you you try to make movies like you it doesn't matter if you don't need to know how the camera works and how the what filter all that shit like you just you can't help but if you just really love the thing you can't help but make good movies eventually and you know like there's so many ways you could nitpick that you're like oh survivor bias and and luck and halo effect and whatever but like I do think there's a truth to it like there is a same form like I feel that way about writing um I, 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 when I meet someone like Danny and I see how he podcasts I'm like oh yeah you know like you care enough and you persist enough eventually as as long as you're not like in a in a bubble and you're like you know as long as you're like somewhat dynamic so responding to feedback paying attention to the world and you just keep showing up like it can't 
not have an effect. And yeah, and yeah, it's, you post. I posted this video of like ten years of writing. I did like, I yeah, I, and you. Um, I remember you quote tweeted it, and you're like, "Oh, of course, Jesus! I I didn't right. know this." Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's the thing with a lot of people's paths is they see the success now, but like just go back ten years and they were probably doing some weird thing that led directly to that. Yeah, and and so, so I guess when I say when when I quote Tarantino, right, and then people are like, "Yeah, you know, the survival bias and whatever." Like it does take it. I do feel it does take like ten plus years. Like and and so it. It's all of the people who... So earlier we talked about like the people who try to monetize within a year or try to yeah. you know, switch careers within a year. Like All of those people crash into the rocks or something, right? They just, they, they, there's something about that that um, when you're so kind of forceful about it, it's, it's too stiff and brittle and it's going to break. But if you can be looser and dynamic about it over 10 years and then you survive that long, then you just kind of become almost just by just by virtue of surviving that long and if you have been putting in effort and the the update along the way like just you're automatically interesting right anything that's part of what that's part of the idea behind do 100 things as well like as long as you're conscious so there, there, there is a failure mode for a subset of people where they do it while suppressing their instincts and their feelings and then yeah. just kind of do it to do it, right? It's just no. The, the point is, you do it while you you do it as a way of discovery, right? You do it and you see how you feel. I remember the first like fifteen YouTube videos I made, like uh, like it, so I, I did a hundred videos. The first videos I made, I was like, um, my camera was yeah, I remember. I was facing those. my computer, and and like the it it took me a dozen videos to be like, oh, the sun is here, and therefore <laughs> I should put the camera. Like it took me that long, but. Over the course of doing a hundred years, you you do along the way. Oh, I should improve my camera. Oh, I should improve my audio, and you you just pick up these bits of knowledge, right? And along the way, you're like, oh, I should prep my guests a certain way, or oh, I should blah blah blah. You just pick up, pick up, pick up. It compounds, and and then eventually you get to a stage where people are like, oh, how is that person so <laughs> you know incredibly skilled at what they do? It's just practice. It's a little bit, a little bit as you go. Yeah, I was writing daily yeah. on Quora in twenty four fourteen. Mm-hmm. It adds up, man. You can really feel. I, I, it's some sometimes on Twitter. I feel a bit. Um, I don't know if self conscious is the right word, but like, um, Twitter is a place for better and for worse. It's a free for all. Yeah, and someone who hasn't been writing very long or hasn't been doing stuff very long can come along and say shit at you. And if if you're someone who is so, if you're like me, I, I'm very like high openness, and I would like consider anything anyone's saying. So even when people say stupid shit, I consider it. <laughs> I like take it seriously. And so sometimes people say stuff like, oh, you, 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 you're, I mean, in my head, I'm interpret. They don't actually, people seldom say you're a bad writer. But like, uh, I did receive that feedback when I was starting out as a blogger, like way, way back. People are like, oh, you know, your writing is incomprehensible. You make no sense. And when I received those comments, then I'm like, Ah, you're probably right. You know, yeah, I should. Of course. But then, I didn't see that as, I should quit. I saw, saw that as well. You know, I what do I have to do to make it comprehensible, right? And then you just, you practice, practice, practice. And you trial and error, trial and error. It's a lot of error. But like, as long as you survive and you're willing to keep going, you keep getting better. And where was I going with the, with the internet comment thing? Oh, yeah. So, it it's funny because 
competence is obvious in certain contexts, but not so obvious in other contexts. So like, um, the kind of the kind of guy that would say shit in passing in a Twitter reply, he's not gonna sit with you for an hour on a podcast call. Like they just they don't have. I, oh, I have a great story. Once, um, I was doing these um inter-intellect Zoom calls, yeah. right? Which is like a community, it's a gated community. So people who are there, uh, they pay for membership. And I was doing a free call for II members, but, and I tweeted about it. And there were like multiple people who were like, oh, you know, you only do these calls for this gated community. Like you're getting paid, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know, I, I've lived on the internet my whole life. So I, I sympathize. I'm like, I understand if you're broke, if you're a teenager, whatever, you just, you want to hang out. So, for you guys, I'm going to host my own Zoom call for free for my internet friends. And, you, you know, like, it, a bunch of people showed up. It was a great time. It was wonderful. None of the guys oh, of who tweeted yeah, yeah. that earlier shit showed up. None of them. And I was like, oh my God. Like, you know, I, I would love to talk to anyone who shows up. <laughs> but like, if you show up at like a meetup or something and you have a conversation, like it always goes well. I'm I'm always struck every time I meet someone in person or I have a Zoom call, I see their face, they see my face, we hear each other's voices. It always goes well. Yeah. So I I I guess I I spend so much time framing myself as like this internet optimist, right? That I sometimes kind of neglect to <laughs> admit even to myself that some people are just here to just talk shit. And yeah, it's like for sure. Again, it's their right, but like we have to draw <laughs> boundaries for ourselves about like what we take seriously and what we do. The internet can be like a spiritual practice in that sense. Um, it is. Psycho- psychological extreme sport, I always say. Like it's really, yeah. it is an extreme sport. It's a magic mirror that'll drive you nuts. And yeah, if it, you're not careful. it's kind of cool when you get to the other side. Like I feel like I've seen so many like Every, I've seen like every form of dunking or take takedown. So it's like, but now it's just like, oh, it's that kind of dunking. Like, right, right. Yeah. Patterns. So I do, I say like a lot. Um, right. And somebody just out of nowhere dropped in on a random other tweet the other day and was like, dude, you say like so much. Like, it's just so annoying. And I just replied, thank you. <laughs> Yeah. Exclamation point. Yeah, it's, and that right. then he says, Well, actually the podcast is really good. Um, here's the link to it. I'm gonna share it. <laughs> and it, I, yeah. I could kind of predict it was gonna go that way. Um right. but four years ago I just would have felt terrible. Right. But also yeah. Yeah. I do want to get rid of some of the likes. Get better. Yeah. Yeah. One of my my earliest YouTube videos that kind of blew up was uh, I had a mutual friend introduce me to David Deutsch, the physicist, because yeah. I was I was oh, tweeting yeah, I about one. his book. I was so excited and I was so new to having conversations with people online, like in in speech. He's like one of my first like YouTube guest stars, right? And I was so um, eager to make sure he had a good time that I was like. Like make um mm, yes mm, like I was like interrupting him with a little bit. I I think he had a good time and like he liked it enough that he posted it and he shared it and all those things. But like, um, a bunch of people who saw it were all like, "Oh my god, you're like the most annoying interviewer." And I I didn't even think of it as an interview. I thought of it as a chat. I'm a bit self conscious about it still, but uh, they were right. You know, people were right that oh, you're interrupting your guests too much. Um, and, and there were some like 
like backhanded compliments that I enjoyed. They were like, no point asking David some of the most interesting questions anyone's ever asked him and then not letting him speak. And I was like, thank you, but also you're right. I should have <laughs> given him more space. Yeah, right? and, yeah uh, for sure. You know, that, that, mis- that mistake is, I mean, mistake, unmissed, I don't know how you want to think about it, but like it's on my YouTube channel as long as I leave it there. And I'm choosing to leave it there because it's like a, it's like a meditation, right? Like we're not going to be perfect. We're going to embarrass ourselves in some ways. And I think it's a gift to be okay with your imperfections in public. Oh, yeah. And to say thank you when someone calls you out on a... Th- and and there, are, there are all these funny, like, uh, I have this funny meme of this, like, uh, I think Korean or Japanese pop star. I don't even know if she actually said it, but the caption is, thank you, this humiliation will push... This shame and humiliation will push me to do better in the future. And it's just like smiling. There's a dark, there's like, a, yeah, you know, there's well, a dark side of that in East Asia, though. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Yeah. All right. You, but, you, that's but true. Also, yeah. But also funny. I guess in Singapore as well. Yeah. yeah the, the challenge, yeah. The challenge is to, I mean, I think, uh, so what, you're right about that. And I think being able to point at it helps. Oh, yeah. Like, at, at least yeah, you, can at, you can point at it and laugh about it. That's it's why release, it's yeah. funnier there, probably. Yeah. 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 And uh, so this goes back to what we were talking earlier about um, just agreeing with the letter of the criticism, but not the spirit. So it's like, yes, I say like a lot. Yes, I interrupt my guests. Thank you for pointing it out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn. I'm going to continue having a great time. And, and, you know, like, it's funny that the person responded with a link to the thing because uh, it is known that there's a subset of commenters online who kind of basically know that if you prick at people, they're like, you're likely to get a response. I remember reading about this, like, on Paramore's yeah. Live Journal, like, 10 years ago. So it's like, like they want attention. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, just some kind of relevance, right? Because the alternative is you say nothing, you, you say something bland, and you get no response, right? So pe- people are like, oh no, Haley only responds to like negative comments, so we should start leaving. Like, even the fans were like, we should start leaving negative comments. So there's a bit of a perverse incentive there, which is why I do think that creators should take the time to show themselves responding to positive comments, like just to, to set that norm, right? Like, so always look for, I always say look for specific compliments that people give. Like when, like, you're so great, it's not very, it's nice, yeah. but it's not helpful. Right, someone saying, "Oh, this part really resonated with me because X, Y, Z." That's useful. So, whenever someone gives specific compliments, I encourage that and you know try to respond in a in a constructive way. Uh, but yeah, it's just it's it's all it, it is a psychological extreme sport. Um, you do have to like manage your psychology so you don't go crazy. Uh, being able to laugh, I think, is very important, and uh, being able to not take it too personally which is tricky again because we know that what draws us to create is is something like personal inside so yeah. you're putting your personal self out there we want to be seen correct yeah but like not in an antagonistic <laughs> way right so you can be like being, you, you, being can, nice you can have people. Cri- criticisms yeah you can have criticisms in a f- and I, th- I, th- I think I've seen multiple times when people are able to criticize from a place of like joy and fun like you can make friends that way yeah and it's very much the sense of, you know, I, I like great conversation. Um, you know, it, you can even say that it's kind of funny how you say this a lot, but, you know, anyway, cheers. Like that's the that, that kind of thing. It's like you appreciate the thoughtfulness that goes into it. And I've, yeah, I've made friends this way. Like when, when people 
respond positively to these things. Amazing. Uh, I think this is a good point to wrap. Uh, this is a fun convo. Mm-hmm. I'll link up to all these stuff, all the people we shouted out. Um, it's awesome to uh, see you on this journey as well. I am so pumped. You too, Paul. Uh, yeah. It's so crazy that we last spoke before the pandemic. And it's like, there's this meme from uh, The Witcher. It's like, I haven't seen you since the plague. <laughs> like, it really is. Like, you know, and who knows when we'll chat again and like how different things will be the next time. But I got yeah, married and... You have a baby on the way. Having a baby. Right. Uh, since Congrats. we last chatted. So... Who knows? Nice. Who knows? Next time. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Maybe we'll meet in person the next time. Yeah, come to Austin. Austin Could is uh, calling you. You stop going to San Fran in New I York. I think so. <laughs> I, do have to, I do have to at least visit New York once. I haven't yet. But I, Austin is like third on my list. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. There's, the great mm-hmm. thing about Austin is it's much cheaper. So like everyone has extra bedrooms. Nice. <laughs> Ooh. Nice. Um, fantastic. Great talking with you, Visa. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to The Pathless Path. I love having these conversations. And if you want to support me, you can rate, review, or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can also follow me on YouTube, where I post all the video interviews of this podcast as well. Finally, you can always support me by buying my book, The Pathless Path. It's a book I'm really proud of and has most of my best thinking and probably my best writing in it. And you can get it for less than 20 bucks. So grab that. It's in the show notes. And thank you for listening. Hey all, thanks for listening to the episode. I really appreciate the support and especially always love when people reach out letting me know what they think about the specific episodes. If you want to go deeper into Pathless Path World, you can of course check out my book. It's sold. It's going to hit 50,000 soon. I think by the time you're hearing this, it will probably have already sold 50,000, which is mind-blowing. But I continue all the support of people that buy and share the book. If you want to meet others on Pathless Paths, I have a community which you can find at pathlesspath.com membership and you can join and meet hundreds of others around the world trying to make sense of weird paths and meeting others along the way. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you have a good day.